Well, hello and welcome to this morning's uh, message. So glad that you've tuned in. Wherever you're tuning in from today, we're so glad that you could be with us. I want to take this opportunity to say peace to you, peace to your home, peace to your family. And of course, we want to say peace to our nation and to your nation. And uh, right now, we're we're currently... um, as UK citizens experiencing this Operation Unlock. And uh, Unlock is different from lockdown, as we know. And that, that means the pace of things is frustrating people and people want things to go back to normal. But let me say this to you, there is no normal. We passed normal a long time ago. But I want to talk to us today about the spirit of understanding. But in order to understand our subject, you first need, in order to possess the spirit of understanding, you must first possess the spirit of truth this is so critical you must have the spirit of truth in order to then possess a spirit of understanding in one chronicles now we've read this many many times in one chronicles 12 32 it talks about a specific people on the face of the earth called the men of Issachar and he said these men understood their times and they knew what Israel should do and you know right now our government's asking what should we do how should we do it And governments all around the world are trying to make sense of this time that we're living in. And then they're trying to find the appropriate actions then to uh, do what they need to do. But it says these men understood their times and they knew what Israel should do. Now many Jewish scholars turn around and say that these guys, the reason why they knew what to do is because they were astrologers. And astrologers could read the signs of the times, but irrespective of that, whether that was true or not, they still had the wisdom to know what actions they needed to do. They possessed something that others didn't have. And that's quite important, that you have something that maybe your friends, your, your circle, your work colleagues, whatever, they don't have. And if we're going to be ahead of the game and different from the pack, then it's critical that you and I walk with a spirit of understanding. But it's it's just as much critical, I say, it's just as critical that you and I possess the spirit of truth. So let me read to you what I consider to be a very, very challenging statement. And it's made by Alvin Toffoli. It's one of my favorite statements because it's favorite because I see so much importance behind it. And he says this, the illiterate of the future will not be the person who cannot read. Now think about this. The illiterate of the future will not be the person who cannot read. It'll be the person who doesn't know how to learn. Think about that. There's a whole lot of difference between a person who can read from a person who knows how to learn and a person who understands what they've been learning. The illiterate of the future will not be the person who cannot read. It will be the person who does not know how to learn. Learning is critical to understanding. How we understand is often a reflection of how we learn. And and what we understand is then the fruit of what we have learned. You know, I know as as a pastor, one of the most difficult challenges I face as a pastor is trying to encourage and challenge people who I've been leading for many, many years to keep on learning because many believers just learn enough to get by. Now think about this. When we leave school, when we go to school, our our parents say work hard, work hard, work hard, study hard to get a, a job. So some of us work hard and then we 
<clears throat> we leave school and then we might go to university and we study and we work hard to get, our, to get our career and to get our qualification. But once we've left education, once we've left education, their tendency is to stop learning. We learn just enough to do what we need to do. We learn just enough to do what's required. But when we bring that into the church, we sit there on a Sunday and we think by listening, we're actually learning. Well, no, listening is what is a part of learning, but it's not the sum totality of you learning and understanding. Now, these people who say that, you know, that we have a destiny, I have a destiny. Many Christians will tell you, I have a destiny, Pastor. Yes, I believe God has given me a destiny. And I say, well, do you read? Uh, uh, well, no, I'm not a very good reader. Well, do you watch videos? Well, yeah, I watch movies. No, I didn't say that. Do you watch things that you can learn? Do you go on YouTube and, and uh, educate yourself? And the bottom line is most people do not have a long life learning plan. They leave education, they leave the career. The only time they learn is if they have to learn because there's a consequence behind it. But they'll tell you, I have a destiny. Let me say this to you, those who do not read, those who do not read and those who do not study what they read, you can have the most fantastic destiny in your life. But if you do not read, you will hinder your destiny. Let me say that to you again. You will hinder your destiny. Do you know Christian book sales are at an all-time low? Why? Because Christians have stopped reading. Now you could say, well, YouTube, they prefer to listen to messages. That's not the same. It's not the same. Reading does something to us that maybe just listening doesn't. And it's a different application that you and I must have. To, li- to read, we, we physically open a book. We, we think about what we're reading. We open, we engage. There's something about a book that does something for our understanding. But I have a destiny. Most people don't have a funeral plan. They don't even have an inheritance plan. They don't have a growth plan. But they'll tell you they've got a destiny. Well, If you don't have any action to support that, you won't have a destiny and your destiny will never reach its heights that God has destined you you to uh, to have. So let me say again, there's a whole lot of difference between a person who can read from a person who knows how to learn. Very often what we've learned over the years as, as Christians needs to be unlearned. Why? Because a lot of it was half truths. Some of it was inaccurate. Some of it was opinions. But then as new truth is revealed to us, we have to make room for the new truth and get, find a way to filter out the old stuff that wasn't necessarily accurate or 100% um, true. So Christians like to stay with what they've learned and use it as an excuse to not move on. Well, that is consequential. The illiterate of the future. The illiterate. The future doesn't have to be 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. The illiterate can be in one year's time. The future can be literally in one year's time. But the person, the illiterate of the future is not the one who can't read. Reading for some is easy. They they can read. But it's the power and the ability to learn. Because to learn means you have to go beyond what you can read. P.T. Barnum comes out with this statement. He says, no man has the right, listen to this, no man has the right to succeed in life unless he understands his business. And nobody understands his business thoroughly unless 
He learns it by, watch this, application and experience. Let me read that again to you. No man has the right to expect to succeed in life unless he understands his business. And anybody who understands his business thoroughly, he learns it by personal application and experience. Now, no sanctified believer should have the right to expect to succeed if he, she or they do not understand what they're receiving. You cannot progress if you're not understanding what you're reading or perceiving. Now, no Christian should, ex- you know, no Christian should expect to advance and succeed if they do not know the business they should be involved in. Think about that. We are a peculiar people. There's no doubt about that. Christians are some of the weirdest people you'll ever meet. They, why the word? Beautiful, but weird. They sit, they do nothing, but they expect the promises of God to fulfill themselves because it's a promise, and yet they do not see that application and experience is needed in order for promises to come to pass. Oh, it's, this is a failing of many, many Christians. But uh, God demands application. Application is something that we Christians must put to our faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, if we're going to have application, we must put our faith with our works. Faith must have a work. Faith is the um, application. Work is the experience. When I put the two together... I get an experience. My faith must work, but my faith can only work when I find a work. In other words, I do those things that Christ is asking me to do. So let me ask you this morning, what is your business? Jesus says, I'm doing my father's business. Jesus knew that while he was on the earth, there was only one agenda, and that was to fulfill what his father had sent him to do. Each week we empower millions of believers around the world. Preachers are preaching great messages. Congregations are sat in beautiful churches. But there's very little application after the message has been preached. And because of that, the experience of the average Christian is very, very, very very shallow and very, very minimal. It's a shame. So let's go to John 5, 36. John chapter 5. 36. So many Christians are doing the wrong business. They're in the wrong business. Now, it says in John chapter 5, verse 36, it says, I have a testimony weightier than that of John. For the very work that the Father has given me to finish, the very work that the Father has given me to finish, and which I'm doing, testifies that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. For you have never heard his voice nor seen his his form, nor does his word dwell in you. For you do not believe the one he sent. He said, watch this. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that they, that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. Yet, 
you refuse to come to me to have life. Now in verse, if we just back up a little, verse 32, I didn't read that out to you, but I just want you to go back to, go to verse 32. He says, there is another one who bears witness. Now here we're looking at the spirit of understanding. The spirit, in order to have a spirit of understanding, you must possess the spirit of truth. Most people want understanding, but they will not get understanding by the spirit of truth. Watch this. There's another one, he says, who bears witness of me, and I know that his witness is true. Why? Because it's the spirit of truth, and he's in Jesus and he's in you. Now watch this. Now come to verse 36. It says, There is a work that Jesus is doing, and it's the work of his Father, and because he's doing his Father's business, and that business testifies of God. So if you're doing your Father's business, if you're in the right business, and when I say the right business, I don't mean going to work, your, though your business may be of God. I'm saying not just going to work alone is your father's business, but there is our father's business that we must be involved. And that father's business testifies of God through the spirit of truth. Now watch this. I ask you again, what is your business? Why? Because your business must testify that the spirit of God is working through you. Let's go to verse 38. Notice the crowd that Jesus was speaking to. As this crowd did not possess what Jesus possessed. So many religious believers who though they can read, they they do not know how to learn or understand. Let's go to verse 38. It says, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. There was something absent in this crowd that was not absent in Jesus Christ. It's amazing when you get Christians together and you start talking to them. You can see just by talking to people what is absent. Very often, understanding is absent from a lot of Christians because many of them do not carry the spirit of truth. They carry opinions, they carry perceptions, they carry the media's thoughts. But what about you? Who do you say? What do you say? Why do you say? How do you say? All these things will testify whether you carry the spirit of truth. And if you carry the spirit of truth, you will be about your father's business. Verse 39. You diligently studied the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. So they had a behavior. They read their Bibles. Oh, just stop right here. Many of, you, many of the people I'm speaking to today read their Bibles. But reading our Bible is not the same as learning and understanding. They read them and they thought because they read their Bibles... They had the same what Jesus said. They had the same dimension that Jesus had. But that was not true. He said, these are the scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Now, let's go back to Barnum's statement. The one of application and the one of understanding. He says, no man has the right to expect to succeed in life unless he understands his business. We must understand our father's business in us if we are to succeed in life. And nobody understands his business thoroughly unless he learns it by personal application and experience. Your faith must have application. Your faith must have experience because the experience and the application together is what bears the fruit. Now, 
The Bible is, I love what uh, Soren Kiergaard said. And he, I think he's the Danish, the, uh, the Danish theologian. And he said this, the Bible is very easy to understand. Listen to what he says. The Bible is very easy to understand. But we Christians are a bunch of scheming swindlers. We pretend to be able, unable to understand because we know very well the minute we do understand, we will be obligated to act accordingly. Wow, what a statement that is. The Bible is very easy to understand, he says. But we Christians are a bunch of scheming swindlers. I, I'm sure you would agree with me, that's very strong language. We pretend to be unable to understand because we know very well the minute we do understand, we're then obligated to act. You know, it's amazing as a pastor, so many people will say, Pastor, Pastor, you, you're talking above our heads. Or, or so many pastors have been accused of talking over the congregation. Well, my father says to me, he says, if, I'm talking, if you're talking over people's head, ask him to stand up. And if you stand up, it'll hit him in the head. The issue is we cannot keep using what's above us, what seems to be above us, as a reason for not rising. You flood the harbour with teaching and all the boats will rise eventually. You cannot keep going down to the lowest common denominator because we don't know what that level is. But I know if we flood, if we flood the church with truth, with the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth has its way of reaching everybody and all the vessels begin to rise. So, Psalm 147 verse 5 says this, Great is our Lord and mighty in power, his understanding has no limit. Now, if I'm in Christ, if you're in Christ, if we're in Christ together, and he gives me his spirit, then there is no limit to what I, what you, what we can understand. We can understand the things of the spirit because God has given us his Holy Spirit to understand those things. So let me take you to the Amplified Version of 1 Corinthians Chapter 2, starting at verse 9. God has given us his spirit so we can know the mind of Christ. We can know the will of God. We can know the destiny and the plans and the purposes of God. We cannot keep sitting there saying we don't understand. Because we know the moment we understand there's obligations. What, do you do? what did you do, Jesus says? What did you do with what, what I gave you? Uh, 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 nothing. Let's start up. The latter part of verse 9, I'm reading from the Amplified Version, just bear with me. But just as it is written in Scripture, things which eyes have not seen and ears have not heard and which have not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, who obey him, and who gratefully recognise the benefits he has bestowed. I like the, the Amplified Version because it really does explain. Let's go on, verse 10. For God has unveiled them and revealed them to us through the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, in brackets, diligently, even sounding, sounding and measuring the profound depths of God, the divine counsel and things far beyond human understanding. For what person knows the thoughts and motive of a man except the man's spirit 
within him. Just watch this now, the man's spirit within him. So also no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God. So that we may know and understand the wonderful things freely given to us by God. We also speak of these things, not in words taught or supplied by human wisdom, but in those taught things taught to us by the Holy Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual thoughts with spiritual words for those being guided by the Holy Ghost. Now, there's a reason why it's called the Amplifier, because it really does amplify what we're reading. If you read the NIV, it doesn't use some of this language, but the Amplified Version really helps us to expand it and amplify it so it's really clear and loud and, and visually clear in our sight. But the natural, unbelieving man, verse 14, does not accept the things, the teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God for the foolishness. In other words, they're absurd, they're illogical to him. And he's incapable of understanding them because they are spiritually discerned and, appreci um, and appreciated. And he is unqualified to judge spiritual matters. Watch. But the spiritual man, the spiritual mature Christian judges all things. In other words, he questions, he examines and applies um, what the Holy Spirit reveals. Yet he himself, sorry, yet is himself judged by no one. The unbeliever cannot judge and understand the believer's spiritual nature. For who has known the mind and purposes of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ, that means in brackets, to be guided by his thoughts and purposes. So we see in this, this amplified version, though it's long-winded, if you stay with it and understand it, it's using language here that the NIV or your other versions are not using. And it's really trying to help us understand what has been given and why it's been given and for what purposes. So, to possess the spirit of understanding, you must first possess the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth is the, one, is the very thing that leads us into all understanding. Understanding is only, only can come to us in a measure without the spirit. You cannot understand the spiritual things of God without the spirit of truth. There are many, many things in life we can understand, which we don't need the Holy Ghost for. And I say that very carefully and very, you know, I'm, a, I'm aware of what I've just said there. In other words, you go to school, you go to university. People every day are going to university and going to school and they're learning. They don't know God. They haven't got God. And so they pursue and they learn things according to their capability, ability, skills, knowledge, all that kind of stuff. But there is a limit to what man can know. But if you want to understand the things of God, you need the spirit of truth to reveal to you what the natural mind, the natural eye, the actual ear has never heard and the natural man has never entered. There is a world that you cannot enter into without you possessing the spirit of truth. If I see one absence in the church today, I see secular wisdom has been traded for the spirit of truth. I see so many pastors now wanting to become life coaches. Why on earth would a pastor ever want to become a life coach? In other words, he abandons the grace that called him to minister the spirit of truth and now he exchanges it for secular wisdom. Where there's no grace. Why would he let the grace go? 
So he can now step down and just talk natural wisdom. That's not what they were called to do. Pastors, if you've been given a ministry, stay in your lane. If you're not a pastor, then get out and find something else to do. This scripture is very clear. There are, eye, there are things which eyes have not seen. I don't know about you, but I'm still living to see my family be saved. I'm still living to see great things. I'm still living to see Manchester come into revival. I'm st- or transformation, I should say. I'm still living to see my nation become a blessed nation, a, a sheep nation, not a goat nation. There are things that my eyes have not yet seen. And I'm pushing into, in God, through the spirit of truth, to, to see those things, to lay hold of those things. And I'm sure you could clearly say some things of that nature yourself. There are things that my ears have not yet heard, and that's why I tune them to the spirit of truth. That's why I'm leaning into what the prophets are saying. There are things my ears have not yet heard. And yet, as the God speaks from heaven, and he speaks through the, through the prophetic and the apostolic, my ears are there, tuning, Lord, tune me. Just like a, a broadcast would come and you're tuning your ears into the broadcast. What is heaven broadcasted at this moment? There are things my ears have not yet heard and I'm leaning in eagerly saying, Lord, speak to me. Why? Because this is the spirit of truth now with its application. I'm doing something. I'm listening. I'm leaning in. I'm learning. I'm, I'm digging out. I'm digging deeper for what God is saying. I said, and there are things we have not yet entered into. There, I don't know about you, but there are many things I have not yet entered into. And do you know why many of us have not entered into certain things? Because you do not understand. When you have a lack of understanding, doors are closed. You can't enter into new realms, new epochs, uh, epochs of time. You cannot enter your destiny, my friends, without understanding. Your eyes have to see some things, your ears have to hear, so that you can then step into something. Now, it's important in this context of this scripture that I've spoken that it's telling us the mode of technology we need is called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you and me. And he's the technology that connects heaven to earth. He's the technology that takes you and I behind the veil, behind the scenes, so that we can hear our Father's voice. We can see our Father's work. That we can enter in ahead of time so that we're not like the rest who are struggling, don't know what's happening. Right now, people on planet Earth do not know what's happening. They're caught up in the immediate of COVID-19. But you know, COVID-19 is not our destiny. It never has been our destiny. It's one thing that's happening right now and it's taking all the headlines, quite rightly so. But there is life beyond COVID and there is a destiny for the nations beyond COVID. COVID isn't the end of the world. Now, if you're suffering, if you're one of those suffering with COVID, I understand it feels like the end of the world for you. But I want to tell you, the spirit of truth tells me to tell you there is hope. There is hope beyond COVID. This is not the end of the world. Though nations are being shaken, the earth is not ready to collapse. Why? Because there are still many things yet to happen. How do we know that? Because we have a spirit of understanding that teaches us of the things that are still yet to take place. So don't panic. Don't panic. So eight times in this amplified version, it uses, it mentions the involvement of the Holy Spirit. Now we've only read from verse 9 to verse 16. Not many verses, and yet eight times the Holy Spirit is mentioned. 
There's also a mention of man's spirit. Now, natural man has a brain, he has intelligence, he has a level of, he has a capacity to learn. Now, that varies from human being. It varies. However, man's spirit within him can only go so far. But then there is the believer's spirit, the Holy Spirit, that God gave to you as a deposit of guaranteeing our inheritance to come. Now, the, you have your spirit, there is you, there is the real you, like I, there's the real Tony, and then there's the Holy Spirit who lives in me. Now, the Tony wants to undo what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. That's called my old nature. But the new man, which is the spirit of Christ within me, want, has come and he lives in me and he's the one who connects me to the Father in heaven through Jesus Christ. And he's the one who speaks into my spirit. So when he speaks into my spirit, my natural man has to make room for the spirit man. And there's the fight that goes on inside every Christian. Who will get the instruction? Who will listen? Who will fight against wisdom? Who will fight against what God's saying? Will it be, will it be the flesh versus the spirit or the spirit versus the flesh? The Holy Spirit is the, is the filter for you and I. Now, John 14, 17 says this. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him. We see that all around our society, in secularism, humanism, our society has no room, no place for the spirit of truth. It does not want a conscience over morality. It does not want a conscience over ethics. It does not want a conscience over, over morals and principles and values, biblical principles, that is. It wants to eradicate the conscience of, a spirit, of the spirit of truth. The battle is on to remove the Holy Ghost from society. Now, if you want to see evidence that the Holy Spirit is being removed from society, don't go to society to see it. Just come to church. You'll find he's not there. You'll find that the Holy Spirit is getting less and less. He's been given less and less room to move inside the lives of his own people and inside the life of his own church. Less and less of the Holy Spirit is demonstrated inside church. When was the last time you heard someone give a message in tongue and someone um, give an interpretation? When was the last time you saw, you know, a message given in tongues and a sinner get saved? Why? Because everything's controlled from the front now and we no longer have body ministry. Why? These are evidential signs that the Holy Spirit is being thrown outside his church. Less and less people are prophesying. Less and less people are laying hands on the sick. Less and less, less and less, less and less of the Holy Ghost. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him. The spirit of truth, the church has rejected him. Because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. I'm speaking through this camera lens and I'm speaking to someone who's rejected him. And I'm telling you today, the Holy Spirit has been waiting for this opportunity to speak to you. And he's saying today, you've rejected me. You're no longer, I find you at this current time, no longer about your father's business. I implore your child to come back. I implore you to get back on your knees and welcome me back in. You'll find your father merciful, forgiving, loving, compassionate. I speak to you today, whoever you are, wherever you are watching around the world, get on your knees and just say, Father, 
You're right, Lord. I'm no longer about my father's business. I've rejected the spirit of truth for my own opinions, my own counsel, my own perceptions, my own fears, my own success. Father, forgive me. So John 14, 17 says, The spirit of truth, the will cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But, but you know him. For he lives within you and will be in you. You see, he's called the spirit of truth because he has an office and he has a role. And his role and office is to take from the eternal realm and bring it to the mortal realm. So that the mortal realm can know what's going on in the eternal realm. Let me say that again. His role and office is to take what's in the eternal realm and bring it into the mortal realm so the mortal realm can join with the plans and purposes of God and be part of the eternal realm. Yes, he takes us behind the veil, the blood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit leads us in there and where we can go with confidence and full assurance. It's a beautiful role the Holy Spirit plays in our lives. You know, I, I don't want to hold church services do church. I don't want to say build church because it's not my role to build church. It's the Holy Spirit's. I just think we've done life too long without the involvement of the Holy Spirit. And I'm saying, Dream Center, our church, irrespective of what others are doing, irrespective of what criticism we have, it will be a Christ-centered, purpose-given, Holy Spirit-moving church. We cannot have a church without those three things. There are many other things we can't have church without, but I'm just mentioning those things. So if truth is going to be understood in our lives, it's got to go through phases. And then I'm going to bring this thing to a conclusion. If truth is going to be understood, it has to go through distinct phases. So God speaks, God communicates. So then... from the communicator to the receiver, it has to go through a filter. Once it goes through the filter, it then gets interpreted and, and either separated or it gets applied. But here's the first thing. It has to be received. Your heart must constantly be searching for truth. Receive does not mean you come to church and just listen. Listen doesn't mean to say your heart is in receptive mode. It means you're here, but you're not all there. I want to don't, I don't mean that uh, casually or trying to be flippant. I mean you're here, physically you're here, but your mind, you're not in receiving mode. You're in your ear, but you're not all there. You see, to receive means you're searching for truth. To receive means you have a heart that searches for truth. I didn't say listening to truth. Remember, there's a difference between someone who, re- who can read and someone who can learn. A receiver is someone who looks for truth. They want truth. They love. I implore you to fall in love with truth. Fall in love with truth. It's not a thing, it's a person. Fall in love with the truth. Search for truth. The Bible says if you seek for it, you will find. You've got to receive. Secondly, what you receive, you've got to find a way to retain. You know, I see in our own church... People take notes, and that's a good thing that we encourage here, people to take notes, and we want people to take notes. But, you know, if that's all it becomes is a note-taking exercise, and those, after you finish church, those notes never 
It just becomes a book full of notes. That's not the objective of taking notes. Retaining means I need to apply. I need to take those notes home and work with those notes through the week. If I'm sat on the bus or I'm on a train, I'm going to work, I'm in a cafe, I'm having a coffee, I, take my, I always take my iPad with me everywhere I go because I never miss the opportunity to read. And I'm always reading. And I'm always reading the right stuff. And I'm always trying to learn. Why? Because my spirit is always searching for truth. I don't search for truth everywhere because it's not everywhere. It's only in a few places. So I learn to retain. I take notes. I take copious notes. Why? Because I have to feed myself with those notes. Thirdly, you must then develop and deepen what you have, what those notes you've got. Take it to the next level. It just doesn't belong in a book. Take it to the next level. What do I mean? Exercise. Meditate on it. Study. Take it to the next lesson. Feed yourself. Listen more. Invest in your own spiritual life. Do you know, like I said before, Christian books are virtually, they're, they're a non-starter. Why? Because less and less Christians are investing in their own lives. Less and less Christians are investing in their own lives. So there is this no developing and deepen. We become professional hearers, listeners. We become professional static people in church. And yet we'll go to university, we'll cram an all-night study session to get my qualification, we'll do whatever our boss tells us we've got to do, we'll do whatever our job tells us to do to get the qualification, but when we're left to our own devices, next one. So we receive, what we receive we must retain, what we retain we must develop and deepen. Number four, we must bring it to maturity. We must bring it to maturity. How do we do that? Well, why, not you, why don't you start doing what you're reading? When you start doing what you're reading, you'll find out whether you've got application in your life. And the more you keep doing it. So in other words, you see someone, learn to give, learn to serve, learn to sow, learn to encourage people, learn to write, learn, do something with what you've got. Therefore, mature what, is what, what you're receiving, mature it, water it. Lastly, multiply it. So you've received. Most people receive but never retain. Some people retain but never develop and deepen. Some people who, who, who develop and deepen must then press on to maturity. It must come to maturity. And lastly, it must be multiplied. I stand here, to you, stand here in front of you today because I've gone through those processes and I have to keep my life in those processes, in that constant process loop. Multiplication. I must produce something with what I am receiving. You must produce something. Why? Because you, if you are given something, Christ Almighty is expecting you to use it. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives within you and will be within you. Last scripture. Proverbs chapter 2. Last scripture. My son. Proverbs chapter 2, verses, verse 1. My son, if you accept my words... And store up my commands. There's the application. Doing something with it. If you store up my commands within you. Turning your ear to wisdom. See? He's got to do something. There's an action involved here. Turning your ear to wisdom. 
applying your heart to understanding. So no, nowhere in this first two verses does it say just sit there and listen. It starts with listening and then it has to be progressive. So watch this. My son, if you accept my words, store up my commands. There's the first action within you. Turn in your ear. So now your body's moving towards it. Applying your heart to understand it. And if you call out for insight, so now there's an, an intense hunger. If you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding. And if you look for silver, for it, sorry, if you look for it as silver, as for, and search for it as hidden treasure, you've got to dig. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. There's so much in that verse for us to understand. If you accept, first of all, receive. If you store up my commands within you, retain. Turning your ears to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Now this is developing deepening. And if you call out for it, if you call out for it, if you call out for it and search for it like treasure, like silver. Now what is he doing now? He's maturing it. He's maturing it. He's, he's pushing everything he can to obtain this wisdom and this knowledge and this understanding. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Watch this. And find, and find the knowledge of God. You see, once you understand, once you find things, then you can start multiplying those things that you have found and discovered. You can't start the process of multiplication if you haven't gone through the rest. Most Christians cannot sit down and explain the gospel to another person who comes through the door. Most Christians will say they're a disciple. They can't disciple anyone. Why? Because themselves have never become a disciple. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So it's only appropriate I finish on Barnum's statement. No one has the right to expect to succeed in life unless he understands his business. So what is your business today? What is your business? And nobody can understand his business thoroughly unless he learns it by personal application and experience. I want you to bow your heads, if you will. Everybody at home, bow your heads. Because the Father is setting us a challenge today. You know, the more I've been reading Proverbs chapter 2, I find my heart being stirred towards wisdom and knowledge and understanding. This has been a theme of my heart now for a while. I'm going to keep unpacking this to you. I've got so much to share on this, this whole subject of the spirit of understanding. We must pursue the spirit of truth. We must lay hold of the spirit of truth. We must bring it into our hearts. We must receive it, retain it, develop it, deepen it, mature it so it can be multiplied. I don't have the right, you don't have the right to succeed in life when I don't even understand my business. So Father, we come to you today, Lord, and ask you once again to remind us of our business. Show us, O oh God, how far off the track we've drifted. Show us how far center we are. Lord, I pray that this week, that those watching this message this morning, Lord, I minister to them through this camera,
And Lord, though I want to lay my hands on every one of them, Lord, I know that all I have to do is raise my holy hands and a spirit of transference will come to those who are crying out for more. I ask you right now, go back like that little child and accept the words and store those commands within you. And I pray right now that those listening will turn their ears to wisdom and they will apply their hearts to understanding. And that they will call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, O Father. And Lord, I pray that there will be a search, a divine search for silver and gold of knowledge and understanding, Father. I pray, O God, that you reveal the hidden treasure, O God. You will reveal the hidden treasure, Father. And I pray, O God, that people will find the fear of God, the understanding of God. They will find the knowledge of God. Father, I pray, give your people wisdom. But I pray, O God, that you will put a holy pursuit inside the hearts of your people so that they may pursue after the spirit of truth. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. I trust that if you've prayed that prayer this morning and you've found yourself out of kilter, that the Holy Spirit will bring you back into alignment. And I trust that this week, that you will go beyond just receiving this message. Receiving is not enough. When the waiter brings the food to the table, receiving it was never enough. You then have to apply yourself, knife and fork, eat the food, take it to the next level, digest it, enjoy it, mature it, let it mature inside you. I pray that this will be your portion this week. Until we meet again next week, I pray God bless and take care. Thank you.